0: marks madness collaboration with actually all three of us this oh, time oh the yeah. gang's yeah, all here <laughs> gangs the all gang's here. here Wow We're i it again whole, and i mean like, we
1: i'm listening to the podcast break. <laughs> I was just
2: like, all right
0: what, what am i gonna learn today
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're gonna work that's what we're just—you're just so not used to being back and hearing me and Nathan at the same time. That's exactly and recording. What That is what happened. Yeah. But
1: yeah, they broke—they broke me out of the closet, and you know, both of them, both of them tied them to a chair. Tied them to
0: a chair instead. You know. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. They—they they brought me out into the living room, so mm-hmm. um, you know, the blue Yeti sat back up, and uh, we're doing it old school.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. Well, Uh, as we are want to do at the beginning of episodes, uh, we are going to hit briefly on current events and Nathan's analysis of current event right now is uh, Bolivia fascists
0: doing coups for deeper analysis. I pass it to David. David. <laughs> Pass it to me or Shigmani too. All right, I'll, I'll start okay, off.
1: Passing
2: it back. Over. I do no, love No, no, no. I got. It, I, I do got love it. that if you were no, watching our if you were watching our video chat right now, you would see us all actively looking to the other person, like physically trying to do like physical comedy for absolutely no one. It's it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah.
0: Um no in in Bolivia right now uh, obviously we saw the coups in 2019 and they were you know literally burning down the houses of anyone associated with MAS well there have been attacks um you know it's coming up on the 27th anniversary of of MAS um that's in November at some time um uh, and there's been uh, attacks of several union members on the largest union which is the Federation of Campesinos uh, is a largely indigenous uh, farmers union in Bolivia and uh, they've been attacked by the civic committee of santa cruz now something remember, like, back in 2019 that's um <laughs>
1: camacho's group
0: yeah that that's camacho's group that's that's the green cross on the white um, they've done nazi salutes a lot mm-hmm. for camera
1: they're yeah. not it's not hard to
2: the, figure I, out i they're i the, do yeah i is, do you do have to hand it to them though They absolutely found a way to brand appropriately because if you just told me that name, it sounds like a bunch of old ladies that want to go and build, like, a new bench (laughs) in the park. No, right. Not an absolute fascist, like, death squad.
1: When you think about who these people are, it's usually old white settlers, you know, white Latino settlers, but white Latina settlers. But, um, you know, you you have this um, very specific... I don't want to say class makeup, but I mean, it is a class at that point. It's, it's the yeah. same. Um, it's, you know, the Fanon, uh, analysis that he quotes in Wretched of the Earth, where he says, you are rich because you are white. We are poor because we are brown. And, um, that hasn't cha- started to change until Eva Morales, you know, and the Moss. You could always tell if a white person's talking about Bolivia because the oh, moss, 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 Moss instead
0: of the Moss. But, uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's the, the movement for socialism. It's, yeah.
2: It's, <laughs> spoiler alert, we're white.
0: I'm well, not Chick-Money, too. Well, yeah, no, I'm, that was more for me and out. David. Right. I'm part of <laughs> <laughs> I'm sixteenth We have to define our we's from sentence <laughs> I to sentence no, right all right? right. I, I excitedly said we mean we when I was thinking we were doing it The again. Marx <laughs> Madness contingent is white. Not. Yes.
2: As...
1: I think it's funny that I, I've done an analysis on Bolivia's, a coup in Bolivia, or attempted coup in Bolivia, for the last three years, four years almost now. Mm-hmm. We're about to head into a fourth year, so 2019, at the end of 2019, I put out uh, my like episode eight or nine on Bolivia, and I then did another episode in 2020, and then another one in 2021,
2: and here, here we are, we
1: are. Yeah. talking about it again. And this, my friends, is why you can't vote socialism in. It will mm-hmm. take state repression of reactionary forces to maintain your revolutionary gains. Yes. Yeah. Without otherwise, they're repression. Forces
0: will, yeah. They would literally burn down your buildings if if you don't clamp down on them. Well, and this That's all comes
1: in, in. um Due to the failure of the bosses trying to strike out the workers, they closed the factory doors.
0: Yes, yes, there was there was a boss strike. The workers just seized. And that was actually going to be oh, awesome. the the current event until the the fascist uprisings happened. But the, yeah, there was a yeah, planned they
1: burning shit down. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay,
0: well that escalated yep. quickly. <laughs> yeah the, the, so i guess america was really getting its coup coup brain on again well, it's not um even and necessarily like america, it could have like, been it, just it, the fascists it, it, working it is, on their own yeah um, this is
1: like you can see a national bourgeois attempt mm-hmm. at reclaiming gains that they thought they were actually going to make uh, yeah 20 uh, well 2019 20 early 2020 um with like janine and uh but like uh the, the state tried to be very um uh What's the term? Um, gentle, like forgiving, um, yeah, easy on her sentence. Lenient and lenient—that's the word. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you actually had a huge grassroots uprising demanding, like, a further action of justice and like banning her from the country and stuff like that. And a lot of people don't recognize that, like, all this stuff sort of like is c- cult-related. Like, mm-hmm. uh, she was like a member of Jared Leto's cult, you know, and. I don't think people realize how much a tool cults are for the CIA, especially like with politics, you know, you can derail a movement so quickly. As soon as you get one good fucking charismatic leader with a fucking fed in their ear, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as that happens, it's a mess. I aim black Panther. I mean, this is Pro 101 and people need to actually learn how it works instead of just using it as a buzzword. You know, there's a lot more to it than they just attacked left-wing organizations. They attacked black nationalist organizations and indigenous organizations after the official ending of the program. And then you also see the expansion of um, chaos um, and stuff like Garden Plot, you know, where uh, you actually have um, more um, coherent uh, communication across agencies, um, and people, COINTELPRO was more of, like, a gentle encouragement of, like, local forces. What starts to happen after COINTELPRO ends is not a gentle encouragement. It is a direct oversight of local engagement and local law enforcement. And, like, the greatest example you can see is, uh, the death of Anime Quash, where, uh, her autopsy ends up with feds cutting off her hand, saying they can't identify the body, even though two weeks earlier, uh, according to when they say she died. Um, uh, Freaking! Oh, wait, wait, no, actually, that's an interesting story, but we'll go into that some other time. But basically, you know, the official story differs from um, what activists think happened, and you have this huge confusion that's fueled by... Um, the feds taking the time to oversee just some random Indians autopsy in South Dakota. And then trying to early bear, like buried her body early without doing a autopsy autopsy. Once it was demanded un exuded the body, then chopped off her hands, sent them to DC like, and, and what's worse is uh, they talk about, oh, oh, I forget her name. I've actually talked to her in person, but, um, she, um, uh, they just threw the jar of formaldehyde and hands to her in the parking lot. That is how it goes back to Indian possession. Jesus. God. Here you go. I
2: almost forgot. Oh, God. Here's some hands. Here's some hands. That's a sentence. That That's a sentence. That's up there.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, everything relates to aim and, uh, we're going to get into, a, uh, you know, Area one of uh, the the, the divestment
2: Yes, yes, we are. Mm -hmm. uh, Unless anyone has anything further for the cause, I think we will jump directly back into the reading. uh, Starting again on page 46 of the Red Deal, we're starting with area one, defund police, immigration, and customs enforcement, customs and border protection, and child protective services. The first area of struggle we see in ending but before we, before, begin, we, before begin. we begin,
1: when we say divestment of child protective services, it does not mean children should not have protective services. It means the current institution that does that is irredeemable and must be completely replaced. There is no bones to use. You know yeah they have to
2: read that, that that's the, they're not talking about divesting from the concept of child protective services they're talking about the very specific entity that is child protective services PPA exactly yeah. that, that yeah. everyone which
1: I mean like the right wing would say that they're stealing white children when in reality well they steal black and indigenous children and and um, for bullshit reasons, like on my reservation, a third of people don't have access to electricity, a third do not have access to water, and those are offendable reasons to have your children taken away. Yeah. We have no choice over that, and those are offendable reasons to have our children taken away. Yeah. That's
0: fucked. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you basically, you build a system of poverty, then you it's, – it's the old, you know – company store debt right you've got to buy the stuff here and then it costs more than you get paid except in a horrible horrible genocidal fashion uh from a supposedly child protected agency the
1: concept uh, most capitalistic concepts are directly derived from the border town what the border town is begins is the fur trade centers of early colonization long before anybody was trying to build a settler colony in what is today america you know you still had Cortez just moving into Mexico you know so people don't realize how complicated the history of colonialism is and that's why I'm rebranding and uh, I'm going to refocus on how we're exploring things and kind of do like an ethnographical version of capital that unfolds in real time I guess for the American context
2: fuck yeah boo 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 do it Make the noise. <laughs> rebrand. Rebrand.
0: Rebrand.
1: <laughs> 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 Chonte Luta instead of uh, uh, Band of Turtle Island. It just means the red road.
2: Fuck yeah. The first area of struggle we see in ending the occupation is defunding the occupational forces that oppress us. The U.S. invests immense resources in policing its subjects, patrolling its borders, and enforcing colonial domination in order to maintain settler control over these lands it occupies. Rather than addressing the structural causes of poverty, displacement, and colonization, the state criminalizes indigenous and other colonized people. The police in particular have historically brutalized oppressed communities and operate as an occupying force in poor communities. They serve the interests of the settler ruling class by protecting private property, evicting people from their homes, and, as we have seen with the various uprisings in the history of the U.S., crushing any resistance to colonial occupation and racism. Today's police are well-versed in military tactics and counterinsurgency, which they deploy on water protectors, land defenders, protectors against the murder of unarmed black people, and anyone who defies the ruling class. Xenophobia against people of color is a staple of white supremacy in the United States. Since the creation of the Customs and Border Patrol, CPB, and Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, in 2003, in the wake of 9-11, the police have increased cooperation with federal agents to capture, incarcerate, and deport migrants from Asia, Africa, and Latin America. CPB and ICE were created out of the Patriot Act as part of the War on Terror, This war targeted Muslims in the United States and abroad. The reforms gave ICE agents unprecedented powers to harass U.S. citizens, often people of color traveling on public transit. Agents have carried out many murders, sexual assaults, and human rights abuses while patrolling the southern borders and detaining migrants. Obama expanded the war to targeted assassinations with drone strikes, including the assassination of U.S. citizens abroad without due process. Obama earned the name Deporter-in-Chief for ramping up migrant deportations. In 2016, Trump expanded on Obama's deportation infrastructure and began a policy of family separation that imprisoned migrant children and parents in detention centers and in county jails. I would just like to say uh, briefly, the the two-word pairing, deportation infrastructure, Oh, that makes me feel so dead and bad inside. Oh, I don't enjoy it.
1: That shouldn't be Mm -hmm. an infrastructure that's commonly. You
2: shouldn't shouldn't have infrastructure for that.
1: I mean, you kind of should, and like, you know, you need a way to deal with like terrorists, but. When it's you know a migrant, maybe we yeah. shouldn't be putting them in the same category as a terror. Oh, I don't. That yeah. makes a lot of assumptions. Oh yeah. Um, I was watching this stand-up special that was like, you know, uh, you know, the war on terror. If we had metal detectors at Plymouth Rock. We would have nipped this shit in the mud. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Joe, Joe Biden deported more people than Trump in two years. Yeah. Already. Number um,
2: one. Number
1: and, one. And that number has increased since I wrote it in this book like five yeah, months it, ago. It
0: it you just, know? I mean, we talk about this every time. It just accelerates. Even the family separation policy that they're talking about here, that was an intentional Policy to intentionally separate families, but family separation had been happening like without an official policy on a, on a lower scale already in those mm-hmm. detention centers. So, well, you know, it was you just a ramp up.
1: This practice of children representing themselves in court and stuff without their pr- parents even present because their parents have already mm-hmm. been deported you know, yeah. the children make it a longer process and they do not care about reuniting the family and half the time it turns into an adoption scheme and they literally human traffic people i mean this is exactly why ikwa which we'll get there um uh, you know ICWA is a thing and i'm not going to go too far into it because it's going to get into a shut up and let the book moment but let the book speak moment but uh you know like the th- these are old tactics as genocide where you steal the children of like the groups as there is too many historical parallels and you know you can go all the way back to rome and their treatment of visigoths you know like and even then you know rome had a better treatment of incorporating you know indigenous peoples into their empire than the u.s does so You know, the the U.S. hoped to do better, and by do better, they mean kill the savage quicker. That's 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 one road. Because like, that's when you look at the historiographies, they say the barbarians destroyed Rome. Right? We are the barbarians of Rome. Yeah, and it is my goal to destroy Rome. So.
2: An example of state violence is Child Protective Services and its removal of Indigenous children from their families and tribes. Throughout the long and ongoing history of Indigenous genocide, one of the tactics of settler society is the removal of Indigenous children. From the late 19th century until as recently as 1973, Native children were taken away to boarding schools to be stripped of their identity and assimilated into settler society, which falls under the UN convention on the prevention and punishment of the crimes of genocide, forcibly transferring children of the group to another group. Today, Native children are taken away by child protective services at disproportionate rates, and families are separated due to poverty and criminalization.
1: This comes back to the, you know, systemic poverty that I mentioned of lack of access of electricity and water, the basic amenities of first world
2: living. Yeah. Since 1978, the Indian Child Welfare Act (ICWA) gave tribes some protection. Ikwa. Sorry, white people need to stop doing. Okay, that. I yeah. What so what is it?
1: ICWA. Okay, so in Indian country, we their words. They're not just an acronym. They become their own word, like scuba. Okay, you know. So Iqua. Is usually what we say instead of ICWA. Sorry, it's just so nerdy. Like, no, I immediately go,
2: no, actually, it's ICWA. No, I just, I like I said, I'm just an idiot reading it for the first time. So please, and that's actually not true. Um, I, so yeah, I was
1: gonna that's say that's very
2: not true only because of very recently on Twitter. And this is where I want to take a brief detour. Um, should run into, what is
1: we will, we but will, like, uh, let's. Let's get through more of it, but let's hear this stop, and then and we'll then we'll go. Okay, try okay. Not to get too off the rails because this can go off the rails very quickly. Okay, okay. So since nineteen, <laughs> very personal thing for no, me.
2: I I can imagine, and that's why that because yeah, that's been I I had I was about to say I was just about to mention I'm like I've seen this before, like on Twitter very recently. Um,
1: I've talked about this since
2: 2019. You know, yeah. like <laughs> since 1978. Uh, it, the ICWA gave tribes – some. the Indian Child Welfare Act, also known as ICWA, gave tribes some protections from child removal by requiring that Native children removed from their families to be placed with other family members, a family within their tribe, or an indigenous family of another tribe before being adopted by white families. However, the ICWA has come under legal attack. In 2013, an adoptive couple versus baby girl – that sounds very – Okay, that's that's uh, in order to. Understand. Oh no 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 no! That I understood. It just sounds very. It's like adoptive couple suing a baby. No, I
1: mean you put it down. To, yeah, yeah. It, it that's what's No, happening.
2: I get it. It's, it's just really so stark to see it in that.
1: Well, and what's worse is this couple that they're anonymizing <laughs> uh, has huge ties to oil companies. So this isn't Mm. just some white family trying to adopt an Indian baby. This is a family who knows trying to adopt an Indian baby will start shit that they have the money to fight in court. And if you have enough money to fight in court, the court will cheat on your behalf as a settler against Indians every single time. I can give countless cases involving dinosaur bones to fucking oil. You know, like there are countless examples of white people cheating Indians and then profiting off of that cheating beyond belief, uh, it it gets and and then even like more metaphysically, you have the Pretendian concept where you know people are looting uh, off our dead bodies essentially by pretending to be us, you know. So it's it's a fucked up situation we're in, and I don't think a lot of people realize a lot of the implications, especially like with Black Panther two coming out and having a non indigenous person. Uh, Well, who's now claiming to be indigenous, you know, promoting. Well, actually, he's a descendant, so he's using the right language. But, um, you know, you think about it and he's inspiring a very specific rhetoric, which is indigenismo, which is eugenics. You know, it, it quite fundamentally, when you get back to it, it starts off with stuff like the final solution for our Indian problem is to breed them out you know so it's like you know that's fascism it's really obvious and i don't think a lot of people understand mexico and and this is my position we can talk about canada and america very freely uh it's fairly interchangeable um canada has a tenth the population of the united states it has more land i think they'd be able to have a revolution a lot more effectively than we would. But together, I think we can have, you know, whatever. But I would like to include Mexico into that conversation and hit three birds at once instead of two birds at once because, um, you know, they have a lot of similar dynamics. The issue is is that Americans should not be dictating how Mexicans have revolution. (laughs) See? See how that works? (laughs) That's how your analysis should be based, you know, we can talk about Canada in the U.S. I'm very familiar. I'm not familiar with Mexico. I leave that to my comrades who are. Yeah. (laughs) Huh? Wow,
2: what a concept. I hope this has been a good lesson. Let's continue. In 2013, in adoptive couple versus baby girl, the U.S. Supreme Court started to whittle away at the protections in the law, denying a Cherokee father custody of a child his white wife put up for adoption after separating from the father.
1: And so this issue becomes even more complex As a white parent and indigenous parent Like split up in divorce You know who gets custody there yeah. uh, It depends a lot on location it, Like when my parents got a divorce If my mom had gone to the reservation with us My dad just would have to fuck off wow. uh, Instead he was able to essentially Kidnap my brother and sister Who were not his kids at all And then with, he refused to adopt them ever Because he understood that Iqwa would throw a wrench into all of that. So they just moved away across the entire country and knew my mom was poor. So what is she supposed to do? You know? So when I say it's very personal to me, you know, my dad essentially kidnapped my brother and sister. You know, it's really fucked up to think about. And I, especially, you know, the knowledge they had of what they were doing. This wasn't some innocent ignorance. You know, they were purposely avoiding ICWA laws. And like um uh, my minister grandpa used to say things, I wish we could have adopted you. And I never understood why he couldn't have until I started learning about Iqwa I was like, oh, oh, oh. And then it, blew my mind, and I fucking... Now I, I actually have a wonderful episode on TRN's feed, uh, Patreon feed, where I've interviewed uh, some of the lawyers who work directly on this case, and in the Supreme Court right now, uh, which the Supreme Court has ruled that it's up to the states to decide.
2: Oh! So like abortion, it's states' rights, baby. And, and we know how that's going to... We know how that's inevitably going to end. And it doesn't. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, a state's rights argument is a right wing argument Mm -hmm. meant to uh, maintain private property relations. Even if a communist is using it, you are only using it to an end. It's the same way with um, a colonial or national revolution, it is only useful to one end as a Marxist, and that is to have a second revolution after that is Marxist. You know, this is the same case. We could use states' rights to dismantle, say, the federal government, but then we have to dismantle those state governments because they themselves are one of the foundational uh, forces in occupying indigenous land. And a lot of people don't understand how their state governments formed. You know, they don't understand that every state had their own currency at one fucking point. You know, like, and the reason those currencies formed were to pay for war bonds and scalping fees. Almost every single time. It's horrible to learn about. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, continuing.
2: <laughs>
1: continuing. Let's laugh about genocide. I don't uh, know. <laughs> Yeah. Don't know how to transition away from uh, that.
2: Yeah. One. The <laughs> gears, the gears, they are grinding, but I don't know how you transition off genocide. So here we go. Uh, altogether, the police, immigration agencies, and child protective services use immense resources to discipline, exclude, and disrupt indigenous people along with everyone targeted by state violence. We seek to defund these institutions first. Ending the occupation means taking away the power of the state to oppress us. And uh, there are many ongoing campaigns to defund municipal police so that cities can spend their money on other projects that will actually benefit the masses. And we encourage you to join them. Uh, That was reading a book that is not necessarily 100%. I know. Yeah.
1: I I just want everybody to know how I feel about that sentence. And it is. Ah.
2: (laughs) take that very scientific eh, as, as
1: So in my community, the only people really funding the food banks is the state police where they, they're doing a fundraiser through local community, like grocery stores where you just pay for $5 and they'll match $10. So it's $15 going to the food bank instead of your own five. Okay. I'll pay for those bags. Yeah. I don't like it. But I'll pay for those bags if I'm going grocery shopping. Because usually my groceries are paid for by people's donations first off. And if, if you're uncomfortable with that, then write me, please. I, I get why somebody would be uncomfortable with that. And I'll make sure that your donation specifically doesn't go to the cops. Uh, but it doesn't go to the cops. It goes to the food banks. And I'm taking the cops' money technically, right? Like, there's a lot of mental gymnastics you yeah. have to do to make it okay. Um, and I... Moralizing it is pointless. Um,
2: do I? Can I? Can I say we live in a society right now? Does that?
1: Yeah, we live
2: in. a okay, society. Okay, there we go. That's we live in a society. Perfect. Okay, just me.
1: Joker me. Joker. <laughs> and... There we are. See, th- this is my argument. If you're mad that police are helping fund my food bank. Fund the food bank so that police me don't money. Have to do. Yeah, give me money so I can gorilla plant community gardens I can plant my own community gardens that the police can't take down on private land and you know I can feed my community more than I already am with our four lots we have right now in my town that are being converted into food forest and that's only growing I have a couple neighbors interested in joining us next year with our help you know if somebody will let me work their land I'll gladly work their land you know yeah. if you're not using your lawn, I can use it. Yes. All right. (laughs) Um, But like in place of these useful functions of these state agencies, you know, there are some useful functions, right? When you look at police, the usefulness is far outweighed, you know, like there's not a whole lot of usefulness to a police force that can't be done by other agencies or other people, you know, Um, the, the best they, they can offer is like, If there is an active shooting, you hope your police force will do something about it. But we all know they won't. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, So that's
1: the unfortunate society we live in. Uh, (laughs) And we have to provide a better community-based alternative. Right. So like with CPS, you know, uh, we need to be thinking about how we can serve that function in society in a better way that operates a dual power system that the community will come to rely on more than the police for these issues. If they can rely on a communist service that can deescalate a situation or even like maybe uh, the issue is the house is too messy. Maybe there's a hoarding issue in the house. You know, we can clean. We can help save a family from losing their child from the state by just helping them clean sometimes. And, and oh, why can't they clean up their own house? You don't know what the fuck's going on in their life. Yeah. You know, we all understand well, how hard it is, and our and own again, houses get messy. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, again, I mean, think about the the stakes there, right? It's why can't they clean their own house? Well, we're worried about the welfare of a child, not the the moral work ethic of of a yeah. parent. And so your choices are: help them clean a house because of that, their issue, and they otherwise can keep the kid. Then just help clean the damn house, or allow a family to get destroyed um, over you know a messy house that could have been cleaned by other people. I mean, that's that that's it. I hoarding is dangerous. Don't get me wrong, but we can help our communities
1: outgrow those habits because those are habits of capitalism and its booms and bust cycles.
0: Yeah. So I mean. the, There probably are reasons and but the 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 issue isn't even that there there are reasons and you don't know and you're making a lot of assumptions, it's that it doesn't matter. It could be for no reason. Why the hell would you not still just clean the house? Why you know, the 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 oh, you know, she could clean her own house is just moralizing and and navel gazing for people that don't wanna you know, they wanna feel good about themselves instead of getting up off the couch and helping. And that's the laziness.
1: That, that's true you it is a projection really that you're mm-hmm. calling somebody else lazy and then it's like well why aren't you helping them yeah yeah, yeah. anytime yeah. i and, hear somebody and, else call somebody lazy it's like well are you gonna go over there and help
0: mm-hmm. well it's, it's not like communities don't go clean up you know a flood happens and it's not just people sandbagging at the beginning it's everybody getting together and that's helping each other clean that. out at in the end
1: some communities that is what happens is that everybody individually sandbags and they just leave each other to fucking rot here and settler societies and i Jeez. i understand that can be different in smaller communities like uh yeah ho in michigan had these horrible mudslides um two years ago and gordon Ramsay ended up coming out here instead it was a whole thing but um yeah.
2: whoa whoa no stop Wait a Pause. Wait a back the Wait fuck a up <laughs> no you don't just get yeah. to walk that one back you do not just get to walk away with Gordon. There was a mudslide and Gordon fucking Ramsey. What? what the fuck does that mean? What is he going to cook for everybody? It... <laughs> uh,
1: he went hunting.
2: Why? <laughs> Look, I'm not. Why?
1: <laughs> is this. Wait, 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 wait. Is this, is Illegally this like. Legally went hunting, by the way?
2: <laughs> like, Legally went hunting. Mean, but anyway. That's kind of badass. I mean, be, be punk rock about it if you're going to do it, I guess. Um. It was Partridge. What uh, the fuck are we talking about? Why? No, explain. Yeah, I know. It's... Uh, <laughs> explain, explain what? Explain what? Explain why Gordon Ramsay showed up.
1: <laughs> I hate how my stories go because the famous people are not important.
2: No, but that's... The, I don't give a shit. Explain why Chef showed up to a mudslide. That is not the right tool no. for the job.
1: He was just like, wow, look at the resilience of this community. <laughs> you know? Oh, it put him on TV and stuff, you saying. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if he even donated anything or anything. He, he went hunting illegally, had some pasties and cutting. Uh, I don't know.
2: Good. God. <laughs> oh, that, okay, that was, who? That took me places. Yeah, that uh... took me places I wasn't prepared for, guy, gang. Whew. Okay. Okay.
1: So the point is, is that in smaller communities in America, you do have this sort of weird sense of commodity, even between, you know, settler and colonized. But places like Houghton, I'm not sure about Houghton's general feelings towards indigenous people, like on a day-to-day, but overall they'll present like they care, right? And um, they're a very, like, liberal town. Um, But that said, there's only one county in the UP that voted Democrat. (laughs)
2: And it's not. (laughs) (laughs) There was one that went to the sort of less fascists. They're not it.
1: Well, like, uh, so, like, so, okay. Here's the hand map. Yep. They're they're in the the peninsula of the upper.
2: Oh, okay. That's
1: where Hohen is. Okay, and just a little bit down um, south, you know, just like as the landmass comes back together Mm -hmm. into the big peninsula. Uh, there's this place called Barraga where they wrote this manifesto where they're like, we don't believe in COVID. Like the white people did this. We, we don't believe in COVID and we're, we're not going to fucking
2: listen to anything the federal government tells us to do ever again.
1: You know, and like they're right.
2: They went full on. Clive and Bundy on them.
1: Well, so um, 15, 30 miles outside of that town, mm-hmm. there was a Nazi compound being constructed. And when the dude was arrested, um, he said, I wasn't doing anything that bad. This is basically already an ethno state. And and 10 minutes, 30 minutes the other way is a reservation. So it's like no, they they understand what they're saying. They're saying yeah. that we are already in our place. There is a place we belong and we can go there and leave them to their colonizer business and just shut the fuck up like we're supposed to and be good little Indians. Or, you know, we can do something about it, and maybe somebody should listen to the Indians and, you know, do something about these fucking psychos. I mean, like, those people are not... Just, they, these are the same people that, that wanted to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. These are the same people that stormed Lansing before they stormed fucking Washington, D.C. You know, like, you want to know uh, what the right wing is planning? You can learn a lot from the Michigan militia, because they are insane, all right? And uh, there's this little town uh, called Gwyn that used to be this Air Force base, like a strategic air command base, right? And it's fallen into, you know, disrepair because there's no longer this money being, you know, funneled in there by, you know, colonial conquest uh, and Cold War shit. Um, And so, like, uh, the police suck there, you know? Like, there's a bunch of crime, but, like, there's never a police... You'll never see a police officer there, but you will see right-wing militias with police officers in them off-duty harassing black people, you know? It's like, I don't think the black person was the problem. I think it's usually the hate crime being perpetuated by people against them that you should be. That's the crime I'm talking about.
2: It's (laughs) the one I'm I'm most
1: interested in. There's a lot of crime. I'm not talking about, oh, they're smoking a lot of weed and that. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm... I'm talking about the white supremacism and like the hate mm-hmm. crime. Like the school district there is doing no don't say gay shit and like banned uh indigenous representation for uh um you know like w- w- all the many different holidays that just came, you know, oh, and co- are coming up. Like you cannot express uh your indigenous heritage because it's seen as political uh and the equivalent of, you know, being a a child groomer according to the fucking right. <laughs> Uh, by 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 so want, wanting to express discontent in my genocide, I'm the equivalent of a pedophile, which is what they equivocate all queer people of being now. So mm-hmm. I, whenever I hear somebody call somebody a pedophile, I no longer want to engage with you because you're probably not a serious fucking person. You know, uh, I can think of a lot of different incidents is where people have used you know we have a gro- we have a horrible problem with that and all of the major organizations on the U- in the US PSL has this problem PCUSA uh, CPSU you name it they have protected some sort of predator at one point you know that's fucked you know um, yeah that that's that's a common problem you know and so like we need good ways to deal with these things that's not protect the predator. You know, we need an actual community alternative that's not calling the police on a comrade. You know, because, well, I I would use the term comrade loosely. I just don't think people need to be going to jail anymore. You know, I don't think we as communists need to be sending people to jail. I think we can effectively deal with with people who are predators as a community, you know, I think that can happen, but I think there needs to be more effective communication between cadres instead of playing this fucking high school click bullshit, you know, like there's no reason PSL and TRN shouldn't be able to communicate besides bullshit high school drama. That's it. There's no reason PCUSA and CPSA shouldn't be able to communicate besides, again, you know, a bunch of bullshit that's, you know, fed related. When I say high school bullshit, it's usually just fed shit. And again, they they developed these ideas in high school. Uh, I mean, it's children playing, you know, like with people's lives and uh, they have no concept of like actual, you know, material consequences. You know, like earlier in the series, I said, poverty is an ethereal concept to some people. They, it, it, it's, you know they will never experience it so that's the ultimate hell to them whereas the ultimate heaven to me is just having material re- like um I wouldn't say relief just being being sure that tomorrow won't have a new financial yeah. fucking crisis or terror yeah. against me that is heaven to me and I will never experience it it is ethereal there is almost a guaranteed 100% chance I will never have that in my life that's just the reality of things. You know, it, If at, even in your childhood, you experienced that. I'm glad for you. I never did. So, you know, uh, the you need to have these concepts because I am probably out doing better than most people who grew up like I did. You know, most people do not have the help and networks I do. Most people do not have the birth lottery I do. You know, and my birth lottery is predicated on my genocide. So it's not really much of a lottery. You know, it's more of a consolation prize. For, sorry, we oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Which I'm glad I have that prize, but I know how many black indigenous people that can't even get their citizenship. You know, I don't have that issue. I'm, I'm a citizen of my nation. You know how many people I know who can't get their citizenship. And it, they've proven their ties to me. I'm willing to believe they're not pretendians. And then now with this pretendian thing, you get these people getting caught up in that. So they're getting hurt again, and it's lateral violence instead of just colonial violence being imposed. You know, there is a lot of relations to understand in this context that settlers couldn't even begin, begin to understand until they just get the bare concepts of land back, which isn't the end all be all especially lamb baggage that's presented by Indian collective or even tier N at times, you know, like, I don't think you should be working with municipal police forces. I don't think you need them. Yeah. I do think if they come to your community garden, give them a tomato. So they like you a little more. So that way they might not fucking break your shit. It, that's they're a mob. Yeah. They are eliciting a fucking, uh, what's it called? Uh, Protection, yeah. They're eliciting protection. You might not think it, but like if you fed, set up like a gorilla food cart, right? You don't have any permits or anything. There's laws that can help protect you for a minute, but as soon as the police have the wiggle room to just fuck your shit up because you're not giving them stuff for free, they'll do it because you didn't give stuff to them for free. That's all I, it is. It has nothing yeah, to I, do with the permits. It has everything to do with what you've given to them and the personal gain they could get off of you.
0: I've, I've kind of seen the same thing with community organizations, even with the licenses. Sure, um, always. That, that, yeah, <laughs> I mean, they're basically giving, you know, you give free food to and explain to you the first day, is like, well, yeah, so they don't fuck with us. Like, you know, they'll find a violation. Don't do that, you know. But then it becomes so ingrained that if these organizations, you know, if they're not a political party, if they're just one of those, you know, community-like lying Kiwanis-type things... Uh, well then the right wings of the group will start being like, oh yeah, you know, we're, there, there's our, our cop buddies that we give food to cause we appreciate them so much. <laughs> clap, clap, clap. And you're just like, shut the fuck up and get them out of here. It's yeah.
2: Yeah. Back to, so back to about halfway down page 48. Uh, There are many ongoing – oh, yeah, the campaign, we encourage you to join them. With the 2020 uprisings, against police murders, calls for disbanding and abolishing police, ICE, and CPB have coalesced into a coordinated movement led by black and indigenous organizations, trans rights and feminist groups, and advocates for incarcerated people. Support your local Black Lives Matter organization and the many others who are actively organizing campaigns to reallocate funds. Check if your city has a campaign to stop the deadly exchange or start one yourself. Coinciding with the struggle to materially weaken police departments, we must also work to fight the glorification of police benevolence and the idea that blue lives matter more than ours. We must refuse the co-option of our movement through reformist calls for community control or diversity hiring of police officers. Since the civil rights movement, the police have recruited from minority communities to induce us to brutalize our own people, yet we have seen no material improvement to our treatment by the police. This speaks to the trap of seeking representation within oppressive systems. Having cops who look like us will not change the underlying relationships of violence that maintain the status quo. This is partly due to the power of the police unions, which serve to shield police officers from accountability and which do not, like labor unions, serve the needs of workers. Instead, police unions protect the violent defenders of private property and white supremacy. And so the
1: Potsies have said we should work with police unions before, by the way. Yeah, Potsies are garbage. (laughs) Always and forever. Any people who are like, Man, I kind of like cars and in infrared, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He said yeah. that we should work with police unions. Please, for the yeah. love of God, if you are listening to Mark's madness and somehow those pieces of shit, please think <laughs> about it. Consider stopping. Seconds. Yeah. If you, yeah, especially uh, if you're like, what is this, episode like 16 or something? Like, <laughs> right. You're, you're pretty deep in this. I would have hoped uh, you figured it out.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, also I'll say this is one of those paragraphs that there's been a few. I, I'm glad with this book; it's written so well, where it's straightforward and simple, and yet just casually and correctly challenges a lot of these liberal ideas. Yeah. Um, but but is is written with a language that liberals will be open to because, like, that's a paragraph a liberal can understand and go, okay, and they need to hear it. You know,
1: yeah. And there's no let's burn down a precinct again. but it's like you know that you uh tiran helped lead one of the largest black lives matter protests in new mexico if not the largest if i'm not mistaken and uh, you know earned them you know positions on watch lists you know they did a lot of great work you know and i would like to see you know a continuation of that legacy uh i you know i without me but like uh, you know, I only bring up these criticisms in that like, these need to be challenged, and they're not going to challenge them without outside uh, ostracization from the, the labor movement and uh, communist movement, because they don't, they do not want to engage with anybody besides indigenous communists, and indigenous communists don't want to engage them because they ruin those relations. So, the only people who are still willing to engage them. Are white communists. And so those are the only people that might have a chance at actually getting them to listen, since that's their income stream. That's my rationale behind it. And so that's why I'm telling people who I believe to be the advanced intelligentsia that won't go, oh, we should just, you know, throw this organization out wholesale. They'll see that they need to have a criticism and they need to have a struggle session that they weren't willing to have from an internal perspective. So, you know, whatever, I don't care. Record behavior, if you want to call it that. I don't call them much of a party. You know, um, we we don't have a party. So to be a record right now, it's like uh, there's already a million splits. What is a new one? It is better that settler colonialism does not take hold in our spaces and people refusing to engage, like the Potsy question and challenge it, are only enabling it. And people who do not engage their friends who help support it. That's another issue, and those are tied to what I was just talking about. You put pieces together, all right? I'm not going to spell everything out for you, but the name is Hassan Ali, okay? And he brought Cuba, fucking COVID to Cuba, his delegation. That's the rumor, at least, all right? And fucking people want to keep that quiet. That should be publicized. That man should not be allowed in our spaces, okay? That is bullshit, You know, you have wasted that country's, embargoed country's resources because you don't want a fucking mask and you're some anti-vax bullshit. Like, that's a whole nother thing. But it all
2: ties together. (laughs) As most does. uh, We must also turn our attention to the violence that is occurring along the U.S.-Mexico border both in the deserts where agents and vigilantes chase and murder asylum seekers and in the detention centers imprisoning those fleeing violence and economic despair. We urge you to join efforts to close the detention centers and to release all migrants and and the reunification of families. If you are able, you can organize your communities into networks of support for migrants and asylum seekers and provide material support, shelter, legal representation, and deportation defense. We must fight for that freedom of all, for the freedom of all migrants without exception or good immigrant narratives that would exclude some and ultimately justify the criminalization of all.
1: I kind of forget those narratives exist because I'm so used to like only hearing racists
2: talk yeah. about immigration. Yeah. Yeah. The police and border patrol tactics and technologies we are facing here are very much connected to global patterns of war, occupation, and border enforcement. We draw your attention to the collaboration between U.S. police agencies and the Israeli occupation forces that displace, harass, and murder Palestinians in their homelands.
1: And we need to be thinking about, like, a global, like, underground railroad network where we can – I mean – I don't know how that would be done. Going across the ocean is kind of hard with things that aren't tracked. That's for a reason. Yeah, You know? <laughs> that way, people can't smuggle guns to their favorite rebel group or something like that, like Russell Means almost was able to do back in the 70s. You know, there's a reason why things like this exists.
2: T- t- generally, uh, someone broke a rule for there to be a rule. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, like
1: you know, there's this interesting opportunity as far as, like, ICE is concerned in that, you know, if we can... And, you know, they're setting up these towers along the border. They gave ICE their own drones. They gave them their own air force. Like, the Border Patrol has their own air force and, like, is basically its own military force at this point. And fucking, um, you know, how you would do this effectively without being caught is practically impossible and we need a solution and people need to dedicate time and energy to finding a solution because right now we don't have one and we are in a limbo where we cannot effectively fight this force without um, losing a lot of hands. So as in regard to revolution, there's this economic aspect we need to have and that we have few hands to work with right now. And that we can't just let everybody get arrested. You know, we do need more people willing to get arrested, but you know, not everybody can get arrested. It's, it's a fine it's, line, you know. Yeah,
0: it's 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 just like we talked about. You know, where you got to be willing to die for the revolution, but want to live, right? You got to be willing to get arrested for the revolution, but you don't want to get arrested. You want to well, try to not get arrested and do as much. The way I look
1: at it is, if I ever do get arrested, it gives me a great time to write. All right? <laughs> <laughs> Good time to read. And third, yeah. I can organize within jail. Because you will go to jail and you will see that it is inhumane conditions. I do not need to know where you are. This is another example of I do not need to know where you are. This is a universal case in the United States almost. I do not know many jails that have been actually I had a really good time there.
2: <laughs> you know, I've never four I've star never Yelp that, review actually. for this one.
1: Well, so um, um, the jail I've spent a lot of time in, they charge you $65 a night because homeless people were using it to get out of the snow. And so you pay up.
2: The, the, if you have to pay for it, I, I should legally be allowed to review it on Yelp.com.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That too. That too. I should
2: legal, <laughs> if if you are charging me to stay there and and feeding me Rush and giving hotel. me a place to sleep, I am legally allowed to write a one star review. These are the rules. I was like, now YouTube that you're paying
0: for it. it, where's those consumer rights assholes that are are all over the Republican well, Party? Uh, no, and I, like there is.
1: I saw somebody make mention that there is a Marxist position to s- steal consumer rights because the right doesn't use it anymore they they, it's already become part of like the accepted um lexicon or like the accepted like mythology Mm -hmm. of the right wing right now and how they're fighting for our freedoms right that you know they don't feel like they need to continue those activities to uh, earn the trust of the working class when in reality you've only seen a deterioration of it through Bush, and then it no longer existed. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. The Tea Party was, like, the last instance, and that was clear co-option from rich people of working-class anger. And so, like, uh, even like recently with the midterms, uh, it was like uh, Fox did an exit poll with 65% of voters saying um, that it is the government's responsibility to provide us healthcare. You know? Only 30% of people said anything, so that means there's, like, well, 30% said no, so that means there's only ten percent of people who didn't say anything, yeah. you know, in this Fox News poll.
0: So that's that's a pretty good poll, you know. I don't know. That's pretty well, you, good. I mean, you do any polls like that, and you kind of see it with breakthrough. Um, ballot initiatives too right in this country where people get into the parties and what happens is is the parties become a, a, a like a sports team psychosis thing right yeah one a lot of
1: sports oh my god yeah
0: like a lot of the right wingers if they had not had a narrative introduced um out there right they they would just they would have their own opinions that would have nothing to do with it but once that narrative's out there they locked in like right wingers wouldn't care about trans people well, as it, soon as it, it was, it was the like thing. the bathroom panic thing, right? and it's yeah
1: I mean, we do do the same thing as the left, like, well, I you know, um, yeah. we have these set narratives on there. Like there's, there needs to be more nuance. I don't have the nuance necessarily necessary, but when I do read these um, positions, you know, I try to look at Marxist positions first. So I have like mm-hmm. a, you know, idea of what's going on in that country from a Marxist, at least claiming to be Marxist. Um, and usually um, like with the case of Iran, They leave out that that woman who um, had a heart attack, whatever, while being arrested. They leave out that she's Kurdish. Yeah. And as soon as you bring up, oh, she's a Kurdish woman being oppressed in a Muslim country. There needs to be a conversation. I don't care what conversation you're in. Iran's borders are established by colonialism, too. That is still a relation they have to deal with. And the treatment of Kurdish people is the largest expression of that contradiction, most plainly. And it's a it's a contradiction seen all across the Middle East because Kurdistan should probably have self determination. I don't know. Uh, maybe colonial borders aren't the end all be all to the problem in the Middle East. Uh, I don't know. Wacky. But I know we can't have this conversation with Iran from the imperial core, right? This is not yeah. our conversation to have with them. This is a conversation for them to have internally. But the thing is, is Marxists need to actually understand the material conditions. I'm not saying I don't support Iran in this situation. I'm not saying I don't uh, discredit I, I I don't you know, I don't think the color revolution is bad that they're trying to pull with this shit, you know. But there was a legitimacy of concern <sighs> at the beginning, and that mm-hmm. has been co-opted. And to say that there wasn't any legitimacy of concern is just repeating a different side of the propaganda and falling prey to non-materialism. You know, we have to be anti-imperialists, but we have to be materialists while we do that. Otherwise we're just going to fall into reactionary positions. Mm-hmm. That's what needs to be different about a Marxist anti-imperialist and just, I don't like the Iraq war anti-imperialism. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Let's try to um, finish.
2: Oh, we're not finishing. No, yeah, we're finished for the week right here. That's where we're finished.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, right. <laughs> we are. Oh, I was. I was just. What the point I was going to make with that though is with the 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 right wing um, handing out their narratives. Right, is it's it's a guiding principle. Right, they they point them a direction, and if you took any issue. And there wasn't an, an arrow pointed. You would see people are, are actually very far left of the Democratic Party. They just don't realize it because they don't look issue by issue. They get ingrained in in whatever the party says goes.
2: Yeah. Like,
1: right. Well, one of my favorite lines that work at parties whenever I start ranting about Marxism, you know, like there's a way to do rants about Marxism without being weird about it. And usually yeah. it's about being funny and like drawing people <laughs> in before you do it. Right. Yeah. Because I could turn everything into a conversation about settler colonialism, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, at parties, like, one of my favorite things to say is, like, I didn't become a communist because of my political positions. I became a communist because I'm a worker and I'm sick and tired of getting fucking ripped off by my boss. Yeah. yeah. You say it like that and people are like, huh, I said that to my dad who's a Trumper and is in a union and doesn't like his union boss. Um, and my dad has been trying to get me for the last year to come join his union ever since and fix it. (laughs) He's very well aware that I hate the United States, want to see the destruction of it. And am a fucking communist. He is well aware of that, you know? So yeah, the fact that a Trumper wants me to come lead his union, is asking for somebody who is di- supposedly directly opposed to MAGA views. But in reality, the only savable parts of MAGA that the MAGA communists are talking about, I already address. Yeah, And it already works in recruiting Trumpers, and I don't need to do anything different. It hasn't failed me yet. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> I, it might help that I'm usually bigger than them, so they can't, like, intimidate me. You know that helps, but uh, you know I, I'm not really worried about formulating a new way to reach MAGA people because I already reach them effectively enough, and it's just by speaking to that working class fervor that is. My
0: boss rips me off. Well, and if they're if they don't have that fervor, are are they even useful? Right? The idea is like, well, there's MAGA workers out there, and you need them too. It's like, well, then well, they'll I'm be radicalized about a as real workers.
1: MAGA worker, not, not well, MAGA. I, yeah. A uh, boat store owner or fucking exactly that like has like three tractors of fucking John Deere. It's like yeah, exactly. I pay for and every if new update,
0: if there's that ideological potential to to put you know where they are as a worker ahead of their rate, um, you know ahead of the bigotry that all comes in, um, the you know MAGA with it, then they're going to have to have that potential and listen as a worker. So why are you addressing them as as a bigot? Like if you you know if you're like cu- coming here to coincide with the bigotry you're just encouraging the bigotry if you're coming here and saying look you know as a worker this is bullshit and then that appeals to them they can come along and if it doesn't well you know fucking okay. for being a bigot and I, we've got I, other I people got to turn to, to, to. yeah, yeah, yeah oh, exactly I don't you know it's one, one of those bigot. things where i yeah where I, you know i i've talked about like military. like you're not going to organize without running into veterans right um but i pretty openly i'm like you know don't don't you know be be more skeptical about putting veterans and leadership be openly against you know anyone joining the military and and what that decision makes and that free college isn't okay it doesn't mean i don't understand them yes it doesn't mean i I don't understand that like people are poor and that is complex and and part of my argument is it's not my place to forgive them so by the same token i guess it's not my place to not forgive them it's the victims of the imperialism's place to do that but you know by the same token like you've got to rip on it you've got to be negative and if they are veterans and they truly, you know, regret it and understand what you're doing, I mean, then they're on your side. They want people to not,
1: they almost 100% uh, join. will rip on themselves. With you. yeah,
0: yeah, they'll join. And and if not, then you know they they shouldn't have been right. I mean, it's one of those things you you don't need to massage. If you know a group has potential revolutionaries on your side in it, even though the group is you know a reactionary is against you as a force, don't go in and recruit them by the reaction them being reactionary that leaves it within them you know ask ask out of the group for the people that are on your side and the ones that aren't are going to say fuck you and you're gonna be like yeah okay you're my enemy and the ones that are they'll come to you for saying the important stuff they're not going to come to you because you joined in the reactionary they've already got reactionaries around them
2: exactly right got everything
0: they won that department
1: they don't need another reactionary in their ear to, to win them yeah the right point of view you know yeah that I mean, is not that, that is the, the case, last thing they need Chapa's trap house would have started a fucking communist revolution. So we can see what happens with dirtbag left strategies. You know, like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Maybe leftists are a little too um, weird about their beliefs sometimes, but I think we need weird right now because status quo Mm -hmm. isn't good. So if you're being too normal about how you're like, yeah, socialism is good. You almost a hundred percent always end up going Nordic style socialism. Yeah.
0: yeah, and also, also, you know, I mean, of course, anytime we always need more people. If we had enough people in the movement, um, you know, it, we, we'd have the revolution. But the biggest I issue disagree. isn't necessarily number of people. Oh, okay. Well,
1: I disagree. Fidel says he would have done it with less.
0: Every time. Yeah, that's true. Well, I, he did I, it with I was, twenty. I was gonna. That was one of those caveats that that nothing really matters before the butt I was doing. So, oh, but okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that it's it's a lack of people that's that stopped the revolution. You right. know, the biggest thing is we're we're always recruiting. So, like if you know if a MAGA person is listening to you as a worker and they're going to turn away from the bigotry for being a worker, great. More people is great. But what we need is to organize the people we have better. Right. That's what we need. We need to actually use the hands we have, like a. I and that's the best way to recruit more people, anyway, with the organization. You know,
1: well, I, yeah. I, 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 one of my biggest complaints is watching how people use their money because I know mm-hmm. how how I can make money stretch. You know what I yeah. mean? And so, like, um, for fifteen thousand dollars, I went around the entire continent, basically. You know, <laughs> like, well, at least the United States portion of it. You know. $15,000 and that paid people to do audio engineering that, you know, paid for, you know, food, lodging, et cetera, you know, that includes donation, like gift giving, because in my culture, um, when you give, when you get a story for, so in journalism, you can't pay for um, an interview, right? Mm-hmm. So I can't give these people money. That's not something I can do. But what I can do is give a sentimental gift. I can, I, I can give them something that Means something, you know. So, like whether it's um, sage I gathered myself from the Black Hills, or it's cedar I gathered from the Redwoods, you know. I, I, I've I've gone across the country gathering gifts for elders and stuff that I've I've come to know them as friends. I've come to know them as a lot more than just some you know historical figure. These people are you know a part of my life now. These people are mentors of mine. These people are people I've learned a great deal from. You know, and so like uh, one of the people I've collected archive sounds of the occupation of Wounded Knee so he can live out in his last days the greatest moment of his life. You know, and to me, that is so much more powerful than most propaganda of the deed you could do, you know, like and that doesn't take occupying anything that creates taking art and educating people. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm doing there. You know, yet at the same time, I'm going around organizing the, uh, around the country. I'm learning the material conditions on the ground inside the major cities and on the reservation. I'm going into the rural areas. And I'm going into the settler cities and I'm seeing the juxtaposition firsthand. Everywhere I go, that I make it a mission to go to the nearest reservation, you know, in order to see w- what the Indian perspective of these things are, because that's a truly unique perspective, you know, that, uh, most people don't hear, you know, and so, you know, for fifteen thousand dollars, I've gone a lot of fucking places. But for fifteen thousand dollars, you can send fifteen people to Hawaii, and maybe they'll interview a couple people. Yeah. So you know, or, or or you can spend four thousand dollars on rideable lawn a couple rideable lawnmowers, whereas I can get manual mowers that never need gas again. All I have to do is sharpen the blade. And I get free exercise out of it and I could get a car with that, transport a crew, feed them, you know, actually pay people their real labor value instead of just volunteer work. Like there's a lot more you can do with $4,000 than buy some rideable mowers to, you know, do some stuff with. And if you know, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you don't. We don't need to get into the specifics of it necessarily. There are better ways to spend our money than running another presidential candidate in the federal election psl mm-hmm. cpusa you know and that's why they, they've turned to saying vote for biden because they realize they're wasting our money right and we're getting pissed about it but they're not going to stop wasting our money almost 100 percent of the time they're just going to find new ways to waste it like you know buying ads you know <laughs>
2: If we're buying ads as communists, we're doing something wrong, okay? <laughs> marketing, that notoriously communist persuasion. Right. Well,
1: that's like, a, I'm, I'm rebranding because Bands of Turtle Island is a marketing move. It has nothing to do with my actual beliefs. Turtle Island it, it usually inspires a pan-Indigenous concept, and uh, I do believe in a united struggle amongst Indigenous people. I do not believe in pan-Indigeneity because it has outlived its usefulness we need to be understood as unique nations. And this concept of Turtle Island comes with so much baggage that it's only hindering the conversation more than it is helping it. And that's why I'm moving in a new direction. And so, you know, these are the things that, you know, this is the, uh, you you would never know that. (laughs) Yeah. Turtle Island is a good alternative to calling it the United States or Canada or North America. You know, that I understand the use of it, you know, but I personally have my own agenda and I am biased. So <laughs> I'm like, uh, I am getting a lot more pushback via this concept than I'm getting um, my point across. Yeah. You know, like I, why introduce a new contradiction when I can get rid of it yeah. and explain myself better. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And in that, in that vein should mind you, if you want to continue, cause we will be continuing next week. If you would like to continue right on into plugs
1: <laughs> plugs. Yeah. Okay. So if you like anything I said or my pitch or whatever, fucking, uh, I'm just a person. Um, uh, what I ask your help for is uh, helping more than just myself. Uh, all money I receive, a portion of it always goes back to my reservation. Um, much like a, um, average migrant worker, uh, I do not live on the reservation because I can make more money off of it. The average income on my reservation is $2,000. This is why I'm doing, that's a year, that's a year, by the way, $2,000 a year. <laughs> and that's food stamps we're not even talking like real money you know what i mean so like <laughs> it. it's really fucked up shit uh and um that's why uh, i'm currently raising um three thousand dollars for a winter survival drive um like I, i'm putting uh hopefully up to a thousand dollars of my own money it's probably not going to be that much given like my own personal expenses but oh for the most part, I should be able to put in a thousand dollars of my own money, so I just need listeners to raise the last fifteen hundred because we've already raised five hundred some dollars um, to help pay for the rest of the stuff. We're getting a U-Haul. I want to get a Buffalo. You know, ideally, please give us more because uh, I've sent five hundred dollars already to Pine Ridge to just run chainsaws, gas going all across the res, giving elders wood and stuff, and so like. Um, you know, that's expensive. Uh, there's only one gas station, on my, well, close to where my uh, family lives, and that's about a 30-minute drive from that house. So that's a lot of gas just to get there. You know? Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it's really fucked up. It's like people don't understand the vastness of my reservation, you know? And so like, I, when I say I need your money, I do need your money. It's not for me. Okay. It never goes to me. If you want proof and fucking receipts. Yeah. I can give it to you. You kind of seem like a douche uh, <laughs> for asking, but no, yeah, by all means, actually what I want to do is make a new website where I'll be posting receipts and stuff just for public accountability. Um, and so, uh, You know, we're collecting blankets, we're collecting uh, tarps, winter clothes, boots, Uh, etc. I will take hand me downs, unlike some people. Um, That is something a communist organization, Kof Kof, that I've complained about in this episode, Kof Kof, you know, said is that they won't take hand me downs. It's like, no, my reservation needs hand me downs as much as they need new ones. Preferably get a new coat, you know, but I understand how much postage is. So, uh, if you're just paying for postage, cause it's 50 some dollars to send some blankets and stuff, I get it. All right. I I am poor. I get it. All right. Um, so please fucking, uh, you know, we want to set up a PO box, uh, which is coming this week. Um, and like I said, there's a whole website. Somebody's paying for the hosting for the website so that none of your, none of your money is going towards that or anything like that. There's a lot of different things at play here that, you don't have to worry about as far as where your money is going. Your money is going to winter gear, tarps, food, water, a U-Haul, and a Buffalo to run a, a soup kitchen while I'm out there. For I'm going to be out there for five to six days. Um, I'm, I have limited time, about two and a half weeks to get everything I need to do done. And your $3,000 is all going to the Pine Ridge portion of that trip. this will also produce some content for you uh, if you're, you know, um, what do I get out of it? You know, besides helping my reservation. Yeah, uh, I'll be uh, recording my Uncle David Swallow's life uh, for four days. um, And he's allowing me to write the memoir and official biography of his life. So that's wonderful for me. Uh, Career-wise, but I also think it's going to be wonderful for the left because he was at Tiananmen Square and stuff like that. Like this, like uh, last time I heard him, he's not a communist as far as I know, but he wasn't allowed to join AIM because he was too radical. (laughs) Interesting. Uh, And uh, he, uh, he, he, last time I heard him give a speech, he said, "China is not our enemy. Russia is not our enemy. The U.S. is our enemy, and we need to be focused here." You know, like that's a man spitting fucking anti imperialism without reading any. He barely reads English and barely writes English. So, you know, he didn't hear English for the first time until he was seven. He spent seven years of his life on earth without hearing English. You know, that's like people do not understand how much of a different world my reservation is. I'm a very different person of a very different perspective because of that. Because we are so socially different that. You know, we need to have a unique analysis of Pine Ridge Reservation and the rest of the Ochete Jacqueline as Marxists. And if you're trying to universalize an American analysis on my fucking people, shut up. You're not a serious person. So, um, you know, please help make that happen. Zikados Tin Can on Cash App. Um, there's a Patreon. Of course, it, it's always in the notes, I think. I don't know if you
2: guys make sure that yep.
1: happens. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and of course, we got that covered. <laughs> normally, I say if you're going to give me a dollar, give money to other causes, uh, which you can find on my pinned uh, tweet on Twitter at Bands Island. Um, otherwise, you can email me about where you should send your money. I will gladly tell you how I can spend your money. Okay. (laughs) I do not have money of my own to spend. If you want me to spend your money, just tell me. Okay. (laughs) I I can make it happen. All right. (laughs) But the thing is, is when I spend my money, the things that bring me joy aren't a new video game. You know, I I only find joy and happiness from helping other people at this point because I, I, you know, all. disclosure and honesty like i tried killing myself earlier in the summer because i'm i'm at that point of giving up on a personal life right the only reason i exist at this point is for revolution and i I have no other reason to continue forward i have a child and stuff and that's a really sad thing for me to say and struggle with eternally i have a therapist and psychologist that i'm working with and i hope that i can overcome that right and i can have a, a, a better optimism about things but we're in a really shitty situation. And the whole reason I spend my time every Sunday with these guys, you know, trying to, you know, I, I've spent countless hours mo- like annotating this book more than they do be- for their own podcast. No offense. I'm just calling you out.
2: <laughs> I feel kind of bad for this.
1: <laughs> but it's like I, I put in a lot more effort than they normally do. No offense. Like it's not supposed to be an offensive thing. It's just like you guys don't annotate your books. Like I did with
2: (laughs) clear sticky notes,
1: which is, you know, it's, it's because I hold them in such high regard that they can do this off the cuff. Right. You know? um, And so I wanted to present, you know, I'm not smart. I seem smart because I can aggregate information easily and recall it easier than you, but that has nothing to do with an actual intelligence. It's just how my brain works. Right. I, I learn orally better than you and that's, I don't know. That's cultural DNA shit. It's just a phenotypic trait of Indians. This is race science time. I don't know. I don't fucking know why it works like that. But that's what's happening. And I'm not smart. I'm a really dumb person. Like when you get down to it, I forget things all the time. You know, if I didn't have it all written down in the book as we read it, I wouldn't sound this smart. But I, I know that I can find this information. I can remember that I've read it somewhere and that I can go find it. That's how it all works. You know, none of this is my thoughts. None of them are my words. I've read it somewhere and you can read it too. And you can learn everything I've learned. Everything. And I'm more than willing to tell you how to do it. I'm I'm working on my own study guide for y'all that's going to go on the website, blah, blah, blah. Make it happen. If you want it to happen, enable it. You know, I already, I already get a chance to sit at home. I don't have to work a normal job anymore. Settlers will gladly take advantage of me. At any chance they can get. And I will gladly let them if it means my survival half the time. You know. um, Don't make me do that. (laughs) You're in the communist circles. Just enable me to not have to scrounge at the feet of some fucking con artist. Just to like, you know, feed my family extra. Like my partner works a normal job, but I'm I'm the child care provider. There is no money there. No. I will never get paid for that job. No, which is... And I wouldn't want it any other way because I'm the Indigenous parent and I I, I like the fact that I get to sing to him every morning. I like that I get to sing these songs that I lost, you know, at once my dad kidnaps my brother and sister and moves us all away across the country, I lost all of that, you know, for a very long time until I moved out at fourteen. And I don't want to see my son ever have to deal with that. And my partner will never make that happen, even if we divorced or, or separated, you know? And, like, e- even now I'm going to be donating sperm to this lovely queer couple that, you know, it's just hard for them to find a good sperm donor and stuff that, you know, isn't expensive. Um, you know, I'd gladly bring another Lakota in the world. And they understand that this person's going to have cultural needs, you know, that they cannot provide. And so there's been a discussion about how to bring that about. And if you can have those respectful conversations without going, (laughs) if you can't understand why that's an important and respectful conversation to have, right. You need to really take a step back. If you're calling yourself a Marxist and go, what don't I understand about this conversation? And then message me at bands, uh, Turtle Island at gmail.com or on Twitter or at the Marks Madness Discord and I'll gladly work through it with you on a one-on-one but I'm not going to give the answer here so that you have a thought exercise to like do a homework assignment with, I guess. But th- this is an interesting conversation that I've never thought about personally as an Indian person until somebody asked me about donating sperm. You know, and that's that. those are the conversations we need to be thinking about and you know, going beyond what's normal, you know, normally with a sperm donor, you just, you don't have connections with the kids afterwards, but that's yeah. not what wants to happen from the parents or anything, you know? And then also, if you're offering your sperm as an Indian person, you should make that clear that you, there should not be a disconnection of culture with that child, you know, yeah. like those are things to think about, you know, and I don't know if I'm going about it the right way. You know, uh, I'd like to talk to my elders about it, and that's why I'm going to South Dakota. Hint: Donate. I don't know how many times I can say this. I this December 15th is the cutoff date. We have one month to raise all this, so let's go. And this is coming out after that. (laughs) Yeah, this will be out in like two weeks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So we got two weeks from now. (laughs) No, I mean, like, uh, hopefully, you know, you'll be able to send money still afterwards, but like. It's expensive. Shit. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, but my people need help. And there aren't communists doing it right now. So make it happen. And we'll actually have an influence of communists on the reservation instead of, you know, TRN's communist outreach, if you want to call it outreach, or Indian Collective's radicalism. Those aren't aren't good enough for my people's liberation and we need something better. So help develop it, please.
2: And on a much less poignant <laughs> note from the Mark's madness side of this collaboration, you can find us on email at Mark's madness, at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Mark's madness, pod uh, DMS are open. If you need those for anything. And in our Twitter bio is a link to our discord server, uh, the Marks Madness Pod Discord, it is just a delightful place with people. They, 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 most of the time, it's just a happy time, good vibes place. There's a place to go have not-so-good times as well. Um, but it is, it is generally a good time. We, we hang out, we talk about our day, um, and, and it just gives, gives a, nice, a nice group of people that you can bounce ideas off of when they pop up in the middle of the workday and you, you need something to distract yourself. Uh, or at least that's how I use it. Uh, beyond that, uh david disclaim me
0: yeah so basically uh, the marks madness half of this uh we started it nathan came up to me and was like hey i want to read capital and philosophy history things like that you always want to read in a group so you get other people's perspective you can get more context you can go over it another time to help retain it things like that and um so there was just the two of us that's kind of a small group and unfortunately we couldn't get more input um but we decided to record it kind of make it a bigger group you know and from that vision on we were hoping that we would enter into your discussions um and be another voice another uh, source of input something to help you out when you're doing stuff with your own party your own cadre and reading these um with those groups let's say um your party your cadre your organizing group uh, wait can i can reading- i
1: kind of say how i use you guys if I ever sure. want a white guy's opinion, I'm like, yeah, let's
0: listen to what they have. Hey,
1: <laughs> that's what the world needs more of. <laughs> uh, well, so you I, know, know, I don't talk to a lot of white Marxists in my days. I usually talk to black and indigenous Ooh. Marxists, so it's actually mm-hmm. kind of helpful because I don't want to talk to white <laughs> Marxists half
2: the time. Yeah, them. no, we're <laughs> bad. It's <That's> okay. <laughs> There's an uphill battle there, so I'm like, if I
1: could just listen to these guys, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, we'll be that, um, But, you know, also hopefully we can be, you know, the reading group if you're reading it independently. And then obviously, um, if uh, you're not and we're, you know, word for word, the enhanced ebook like this or a summary, we just want to be out there guiding your actions. We want these works to turn into actions called praxis. Um, That's a phenomenon where you put revolutionary work into revolutionary action. Um, Obviously, without the theory, uh, praxis can't exist. And theory without practice is completely useless. Um, They go hand in hand. They are tied at the hip.
2: Amen. As always, that being said, this has been Mark's Madness Pod. We read books. My name is Nathan.
1: My name's David. I am too.
2: And we will talk to y'all next week. Bye. Bye. Cool. Sure.